there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I've heard it said the only difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. I don't think it's meant to be a flattering thing to men. I think it's used to say that they're kind of immature. And I don't know really what they say about women. The only difference between girls and women is the price of their shoes. There was a teenage girl who saw a little black toddler running around at a pool one day, and she said, I want one of those. She's now a young, unwed pregnant white girl in a society struggling to accept interracial couples. Maurice Nicole said, As children, we play with toys, say baby dolls and lead soldiers. Then we grow up and we're given a new set of toys. We play with having real babies, being real soldiers. We play with all the adult toys given us in order to keep us fast asleep. One of the things in our society, I don't know about other societies, but I know in our society, in our culture, one of the problems is that people have freedom before they have enough forebrain to deal with it. Their forebrain has not been developed to the point where they can deal with the freedoms that are given to them. And another problem is that even when we do have what, what, what we think we have or we should have the forebrain to be able to handle freedom, we are given freedoms that we then can't handle. And freedoms that we're given make us lust for more freedom and then we cast off restraint because we can. And see, the wonderful thing about this universe is that your creator has given you freedom, complete, absolute, total freedom. You don't realize this, of course, but what you do realize of your freedom is probably the most dangerous thing, that, the most dangerous toy you ever play with because we don't know, we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the knowledge to be able to discern which freedom is going to be beneficial to us and which freedom is best ignored, which freedom is best overridden by our discernment, by our wisdom, by our knowledge. So esoteric ideas come from another place. They don't come from here. They don't come from this realm that we know about, this world that we know about. They come from elsewhere. They come from higher. And they come from people who have already awakened. They have awakened and they have seen how it actually is. They are not hindered by the illusion that hinders our sight, our vision, our understanding, our ability to know, our ability to discern. They're not hindered by that. They have clear sight. They have clairvoyance, clear vision. And so they can see clearly what's so. But we can't because our desires and our negative emotions that, that we're infested with cloud our sight. They cloud our vision. They cloud our ability to feel the truth in the emotional center because the emotional center is so infested with negative emotions. It's crawling with negative emotions that are sapping its energy so that there is no room for anything else. It's so infested that there's no room for anything else because there's no room for anything else. Nothing else can come in. The only thing that can come in, more negative emotions. Until we begin to purify the emotional center, until we begin to purify our hearts, as old esoteric teachings would say, before Gurdjieff stepped this up and made it 
accessible, available to modern man in his system, people in the older systems used to say the heart. And of course, every language has a different term for the Muslims. They say Allah. They say God is Allah. If it's the Jews, they say God is the king of the universe or El Shaddai or Elohim or whatever. And it's, it's, it's like that. Everybody has their own different word, but the words mean nothing. It's the idea behind the words that mean everything. But we can't get to the idea behind the words because we have been clouded, we have been blanketed with these negative emotions and the resulting thoughts and pride and vanity that go with that self-adoration, self-aggrandizement, self-love. All of these things dirty our receptors. They just dirty our receptors and blanket them so that we can't see what is real. We can't hear what is real. We can't feel what is real. We can't receive what is real. This is the state we find ourselves in. It's a very difficult state. But the thing is, is that we have freedom in this state. But because we can't see what's there to be seen, our freedom is used in a way that causes us misery, untold misery, multiplied and multiplied and multiplied over and over and over again, and then repeated day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment, month after month, year after year, and some would even say lifetime after lifetime. I'll leave that to you to decide you've got your hands full with this present moment. So concerning yourself with lifetime after lifetime is, in my opinion, not very wise when what you could be doing is concerning yourself with this present moment, this present emotion, this present state that you're in now, this present thought that you're entertaining now, this present attitude that you're ensconced in now. Concerning yourself with those things, observing your states and your thoughts and your emotions in this present moment. This work says unless you've been through playing with some adult toys and learning the game, you can't proceed further. This work calls that the level of the good householder. This is nothing new. This, is, this good householder has been found in esoteric teachings for thousands of years. But we have forgotten all of that because we can't see that anymore. We can't see what a good householder is. Today, what a good householder is, is someone who makes money someone who has things. But that's not originally what a good householder meant. But it's difficult for us to see that because we're so infested. Our minds are crowded and clouded with all of these thoughts that come from focusing through the five senses rather than looking within. And our hearts are infested with these negative emotions. Our emotional center is infested with these negative emotions from allowing ourselves to be attached to what we see when we look out through the five senses rather than looking within and looking up. And remember, up means inward and inward means up. But when you look within, it's not just a matter of inwardly looking at your thoughts and being introspective and keeping accounts. Because when we look within, we can keep, we, what we do is we keep accounts. We rehearse what that person said, what that person did, what that person didn't say, what that person didn't do that they should have said and they should have done. We rehearse those things and we basically chiseling those accounts in stone. That's our way of taking out our hammer and our chisel and chiseling what they did and didn't do in stone. We rehearse it over and over and over again. We make it deeper and deeper and deeper so that we can't forget it, so that we won't ever forget it, because we know that that is our salvation, that keeping that account is our salvation. We're proving if we keep that, if we drive that chisel deep enough into that rock, 
that we'll get that in there deep enough so they will never forget it. We'll never forget what they did to us. We'll never forget the pain. We'll never forget the insult. We'll never forget it. And we won't ever let it happen again. And we call that salvation. And the truth is salvation is freedom from that, is being able to eliminate all of those accounts. It's being able to eliminate all of that stuff that we've chiseled in stone. It's being able to have a clean slate, as it were, and to be able to live life moment by moment through the wisdom of esoteric ideas as we cleanse ourselves internally so that we can hear those ideas, so that we can see those ideas, so that we can experience those ideas, so that real emotion, some shred of a real emotion can enter into our heart or enter into our emotional center. And as we are, we can't really receive them. But we don't believe that. We know better. All the sages, all the saints, all the masters, all the gurus in the world can't tell us anything. We know better because we know what we know. We know our own experience. Even though we've made up our own experience, we've imagined our own experience, we still know it and nobody's going to tell us different. And it's pretty difficult to get beyond that. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. No one can come into you and tell you. You must be willing to listen. So the first thing that has to happen is we must be willing to doubt ourselves. We've got to be willing to doubt these thoughts that we have based our entire life on. We've got to be willing to doubt these feelings that we've based our entire life on. We've got to be willing to doubt these experiences that we've based our entire life on. We've got to be willing to doubt that. And we've got to be willing to let something else guide us. And for us, this is the most difficult thing. Some people acquiesce instantaneously. Oh, yes, I'll let you tell me what to do. But you tell them what to do and then they don't want to do that. I'll let you tell me what to do as long as you tell me what to do that I agree with. If I don't agree with it, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not giving up my will. No, no one's asked you to give up your will. But see, that's the first thing we do. I'm not giving up my free will. You can't give up your free will. Wouldn't it be nice if you could give up your free will? I would give up mine instantaneously. Instantaneously. I would say to the conscious circle of humanity, fine, do it. Do whatever you need to do. I'll accept it. But I can't. Because this is self-development, and I have to follow the path. I have to follow the ideas. I have to receive them, and I have to work them out myself, and so do you. This work is not for ghosts. Well, is this the Halloween talk? I didn't mean it to be. I don't know how this came out this way, but this work is not for ghosts. A ghost is someone who's done nothing. Now, someone who's done nothing is someone who hasn't really played with the second set of toys yet. You can't be a good householder until you've done something, until you've taken some responsibility on yourself, until you've accepted some responsibility, until you've done something in life, until you've struggled with something, until you've found out what this is really about, until you've found out the things that you only find out through doing it. It's for those who've done something in life and gained some wisdom from the friction of rubbing against life. Anyone who's done anything in life knows that life doesn't give you what you want just because you want it. Life doesn't just roll over for you. Anyone who has done anything in life knows that life is second force, that it's there to oppose you. I'm talking about life, this life that we're living under 48 orders of laws. That's the life I'm talking about. I'm not talking about life like the source of all life. I'm not talking about esoteric life. I'm not talking about higher life. I'm not talking about the life source. I'm talking about life, the system that we know on this planet. If you haven't learned you can't have your own way, you are not fit for this work. So guess what? You are not fit for this work because you have not learned that you can't have your own way. That is why your forehead is flat and bloody because you keep smashing it against life. You keep smashing it against what you want and life opposes you. 
and you haven't realized yet that you can't have what you want because every once in a while you get what you want, which of course is the most dangerous thing for us because once we start getting what we want, we imagine that we did it. Yes, we, we take all the credit for it instantaneously. I did this. Look at what I did. I earned this money. I got this girl. I got this guy. I had this baby. I built this house. I did all this. It goes right to false personality. It goes right to pride and vanity instantly. It's like this huge funnel and everything just shoots right down in there. And by the time it comes out, it's moving at an incredible velocity and it embeds itself in us. And we're certain. I did this. I am somebody. I am something. I am important. I can do. And this work tells us again and again and again and again, over and over again, you're not one, you're not awake, you can't do. But it's not enough to be told. We must realize this for ourselves. And you can't realize it by being told. Life is second force, and as such, it resists the fantasy of getting without effort. We're willing to make effort, but we're willing to make the effort we wish to make. We're not willing to make the effort that's required. We only want to make the effort that we wish to make. Gurdjieff said, if a man knows how to make coffee, to such a man I can speak. Well, that's everybody here. Everybody here thinks they can make coffee. I can make coffee. Open the tin, get out a scoop, put it in the little filter thing, turn Mr. Coffee on, put the water in the top, go away, come back in the right amount of time and pour him a cup of coffee. You want that with cream and sugar? That's not what Gurdjieff meant. But you have to know something to know that's not what he meant. The problem with most people is they don't know anything. They just think they do. Problem with us, we don't know anything, we just think we do. But what this work first tries to do is to get you to doubt what you think you know, to get you to doubt yourself, to get you to doubt that you are who you think you are. And it's so difficult because we're certain that we know, we're certain that we're right, we're full of ourselves. So this may sound trite, if a man knows how to make coffee, to such a man I can speak. But like all esoteric wisdom, there's more to it than the surface words reveal. You've got to dig a little deeper. What does make coffee mean? It means to meet life as second force. It means to understand the difficulties of labor. It means to understand what it takes, what kind of soil coffee grows in. It means to understand how much water and how much sunshine it takes. It means where do you plant coffee? It means what are the diseases that afflict coffee berries? It means what are the nutrients that it needs? What are the nutrients that it pulls out of the soil that you have to then put back into the soil? It means what bugs like it and will hinder it. It means what does it take to harvest the coffee berries? How do you store them? How do you get them to market? How do you sell them? How do you export them? And the myriad other small things that we who make a cup of coffee out of a tin take for granted. That's what Gurdjieff was talking about. But that's not what you thought when I said, Gurdjieff said, if a man knows how to make coffee to such a man I can speak. You thought, Okay, well, tell us what that means. That's what you thought. Well, he's going to tell us what that means. I don't think Gurdjieff told anybody what it meant. He just said it and then went away. I don't know. Maybe that's what I should have done, too. A man who knows how to make coffee is a good householder and therefore has become something in life by effort. He has wrestled with life and won something. Even if he just made $100, that was $100 that he earned by wrestling with life as an opposing force, as a resistant force, and winning something. Until we do this, we're mere ghosts. We're not real, and work ideas can't act upon us because there's nothing upon which the ideas can act. Can you touch a ghost? Can you take a ghost by the hand and drag it around? No. Ghosts walk through walls. Ghosts are invisible to everyone except other ghosts. 
We see all the ghosts sitting here in this room. We think they're real. It's the ones we don't see that we don't believe. And, of course, the ones we don't see are more real. But that's just part of our condition. That's part of our state. That's part of our delusion. Without life wisdom, we expect miracles where none can happen. It's amazing what we expect from life. We expect to be able to do everything wrong and then miraculously have it turn out right. We expect to do nothing and then have it dumped in our lap. Or we expect to do what we like to do and then have it dumped in our lap. Everything disappoints us, but it never occurs to us that we must make effort to ensure that everything does not disappoint us. Our job is not to get life to stop disappointing us. Our job is to make sure that no matter what life brings our way, we are not disappointed. It's an inside job. It's up to us to do that. No one's going to do that for us. And we're not going to do it for ourselves, obviously. A powerful work idea. All people on this planet, high or low, are under the same laws. And just notice for a moment how your mind objects to this. Oh, Bill Gates isn't under the same laws. Warren Buffett isn't under the same laws. The President of the United States is not under the same laws. Senators and congressmen are not under the same laws. They're above the law. Unless they're wanting to make an example. And they catch one of them doing something. Then they make an example to prove that they're all under the same laws. But we know better, don't we? Go ahead. It's okay to lie and say, oh, no, we we don't know better. We know that we're all under the same laws. It's okay. Just notice that we don't really believe that we're all under the same laws. If we did, we would never again say if only. We would never again be disappointed if we really understood that. It's not enough to be a good householder. One of the things that people somehow miss initially in this fourth way is that we think, oh, well, I'm a good householder. I've I've won all these things. I've got all this stuff. I did all that. I raised a family. I had a wife. I had a house. I did this. I did that. So I'm a good householder. So I got it. I got it. I'm there. I'm ready. But that's not enough. Everything living must make effort. We must be a good householder who no longer believes in life. But we're not. We're good householders who believe in life. We believe that if we just get a little more, then we'll be secure. If we just get a little more, then we can have what we want. If we just get a little more, then we'll be happy. Sometimes a little more is $25 million. Sometimes a little more is $100. It doesn't really matter the amount. All the amount is zeros after the number. And a zero stands for nothing. But we don't know that because we believe in life thoroughly, completely, wholeheartedly. We believe in life, and so we run after it. So turning away from the five senses and turning within, that's a Herculean task. That's the most difficult thing we can do, especially when we believe in life. The less we believe in life, the easier it is to turn within. But it still doesn't make it effortless. Effort is involved. Yeah, there are loads of good householders who think they can get what they want from life. No matter how disappointed they are, they'll keep running at the wall thinking that just a little more of this kind of effort will do it. And then they'll have what they want. And then they'll be happy. They forget all about transformation because transformation doesn't really enter into that. Transformation means, well, I'm going to transform my bank account from a little to a lot. I'm going to transform my love life from a little to a lot. I'm going to transform what I want from what I don't have to what I want. That's what transformation means to most good householders. The good householder must come to this question in one form or another. Is there anything beyond this life? Is there anything beyond what I can see through the five senses? Is there anything beyond what I have been taught, what I have acquired, what I have been trained is true? His duty must shift from life to beyond life. A good householder is someone who has met his duty in life. He's won something. But unless he shifts and takes what he learned in life from playing with the second set of toys, 
You see, you have teenagers who are already playing with the second set of toys when they haven't really understood that this is the second set of toys and they should still be playing with the first set of toys. So you have unwed mothers, oodles of them. I don't know how many oodles are, but there are a lot of O's in oodles and an O is a zero and zero stands for nothing. So back to that. There are a lot of them. And we keep giving them freedom more and more and more and more and more. We don't give them knowledge. We give them freedom because that makes us feel better. But it makes them miserable because they're not ready for the freedom. They want guidance. They don't know they want guidance because we don't know how to give it. We don't know how to give it because we don't have it ourselves. This work isn't about transforming outer life. It's not about getting what you want in life. Although there are people who use it for that. There are people who use all esoteric teachings to get what they want in life. There will always be people like that. It's called taking these stones and turning them into bread. It was the first temptation of Christ. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Take this truth, this basic first level of truth, and turn it into bread. Turn it into something you can spend, eat, sell, trade with. That's a no-no esoterically. It's not a good idea to do that. But that doesn't stop people from doing it. This work is about transforming oneself. We can't reach this without first playing with the second set of toys seriously and properly. If you're still identified with your toys, you're not going anywhere in this work. If only comes from believing it's not equally difficult for all of us. The truth is, if someone has a plus in their life, they have an equivalent minus. But we don't see that. We look from the outside at people's lives and we go, Oh, look at that. They have the perfect marriage. He has the perfect wife. She does everything for him. Oh, what a wonderful husband. He provides so well for his wife and his family. But we don't know that if there's a plus, there's a minus. We don't know that everything is not as it seems. We don't know not to judge a book by its cover. We don't know that. We have the words bouncing around inside of our craniums, but we don't know it in our knowers. Here's a good idea. Think that no one is better placed on this earth than you are. Try that on. Just see if your foot will fit into that shoe. See if your head will fit into that hat. See if your body will fit into that jacket. See if you can pull those pants up over your butt and button them. See if you can do that. See if that'll fit you. No one is better placed than you. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. This is precisely the life that you should be living. Everything that you need for transformation has been given to you. And you are doing everything in your power to change it so that you don't transform. Think it through. Look at your life. What are you struggling for? What is it you're struggling for? You want to lose weight. You want this. You want that. You want a girlfriend. You want a boyfriend. You want money. You want a house. You want this paid for. You want the garden done. You want this. You want that. Blah, 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 blah. You're doing everything to fix it. But you are placed precisely where you need to be with the exact right conditions so that you can transform because that is what your life is really about. That is what your destiny is, to transform, not to be in this world and get all this stuff and do all this stuff. After you have played with the toys seriously and properly, they were only for one reason, so that you could gain the wisdom to take the next step toward transformation. But you got stuck with the toys. Now you have your favorite. Oh, my precious. This is my favorite toy. This bank account, this boy, this girl, this car, this house, this career, whatever. It's all the same thing. It's all toys. Everyone is placed exactly where they should be for their own development. This is a work idea. This is an esoteric idea. And it's not new. This is an old, old, old. This idea is thousands and thousands of years old. It can be found in almost all esoteric teachings. 
But it can only be found by people who are looking. It can't be found by people who aren't looking. There's no secret. The secret is we don't want to know the secret. That's the secret. We don't want to know the secret. Somebody tells us the secret. That's not the secret. We know the secret's got to be something else. And what do you think that something else is? Well, it's something we want to hear. But the real secret is you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear the truth. That's the real secret. Well, that's not true. (laughs) I told you it was a secret. You don't even know it. There's a definite way or path to follow in order to reach the platform where we begin transformation. And then from that platform, there's a definite path or way that we need to follow. We don't know anything about that. We are so focused on the toys, the second set of toys, that we don't know anything about that. We're eaten on every side through identifying. That's what this work says. As we identify, we are being chewed up, swallowed, digested, eaten. If you're a good householder, identified with being a good householder, you must observe this in yourself for yourself. It's not enough for me to tell you, yes, you're a good householder, but you're identified with being a good householder. It's gone straight to your pride and vanity. You have to see that for yourself. You can't hear it from me. I mean, you can hear it, but it doesn't mean anything. To identify means to treat as being identical with. To treat as being identical with. Identify, identical, sound familiar? A man who identifies with his bank account and loses his money becomes despondent and hopeless because his money and his feeling of himself are identical. If you feel that your bank account and yourself are identical, then to lose your bank account is to lose yourself. When he loses his money, he feels he no longer exists. He's annihilated. What's the sense in living? What's the purpose? What's there to go on for? Everything I want is connected with that. How can I get what I want if I don't have that? This is why during this great stock market crash at the end of the 20s that people jumped out of windows. They just jumped out of windows. They were identified with their bank accounts. They were identified with their stock portfolios. And when it was all gone, they just, there's no point in living. They were annihilated. So they jumped out windows. You see what I mean? Means he's identified with something that's not really him at all. What are you identified with? I'll guarantee you it's not really you at all. Life is like a whitewater rapid in which we must, for a while, be, but out of which we must eventually swim. Not be pulled, but swim under your own power. Oh, you'll get help, but you must swim. If you never plunged in, you're no good for this work. If you never plunged into the rapids, you're no good for this work. There are some people who sit on the sidelines and they look at life going by like, a, like white rapids, like white water. <laughs> oh, I'm not going in there. There's rocks. It's dangerous. I don't know what's in there. I'm not going in there. They never play. They never get in. On the other hand, if you stay in, you're no good for this work. If you stay in there, hey, look, this is great. I love white water rafting. This is wonderful. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Then you will. You're no good for this work. And this work is all about transformation of yourself. The point is to get out of it. We're all pouring force into being identified with trivial things, but we're not taking force out of it. This work is about changing. This work is about that reversal in ourselves, where we stop pouring our force into those things with which we are identified and start pulling our force out of those things with which we are identified. That's the reversal. It's a completely different direction. The center of gravity of being identified is in the emotional center. Ospensky said the object of this work is to awaken the emotional center because we have no real emotions. We only know emotions of being identified. What is love? Love is being identified. We don't know what love is beyond that. Our form of love is identification, varying degrees of identification, period. I love you means you make me feel good. I feel good when I'm around you. I like the way I feel when I'm around you. I hate you means I don't like the way I feel when I'm around you. 
In that film with Jack Nicholson, as good as it gets, he says to this woman, this big compliment, he says, I want to be a better person when I'm with you. That was his compliment to her. And that's nice. But you better want to be a better person if you're with nobody. And I don't mean a better person. I mean a transformed person, a higher order of being. All of this being identified in the emotional center, all of this clogs the emotional center, preventing it from doing its proper work. What is the emotional center's work? What is its proper work? If purified from negative emotions and identifying, we would be clairvoyant. We would have the power of cognitive knowledge different from the intellectual center. We can talk about it, but you can't know what it is until you can purify your emotional center, at least some, from negative emotions. So what does this mean? What is clairvoyant? Clear vision means the ability to see. Would it be the ability to see what? The ability to see what's so. We can't see what's so now. We just can't. If we could, we would not be identified. It includes a sense of danger. It includes a sense of the future. And many other things which are our right by creation, but which we've lost due to having been brought up among sleeping people. By right of creation, you have powers that you don't know anything about. I told you the story about the eagle, that a naturalist was out in the woods one day and he found this little farm up there in Chicken Ranch. And there was an eagle down there with all the chickens. And the eagle was acting just like a chicken. The naturalist was freaked out. He went to the farmer and he said, what in God's name is this abomination? The farmer said, well, it's the strangest story. And that eagle was no more than a little chick. He lost its mother and somehow got in here among the chickens, grew up with them, and started scratching around and pecking and doing all the things the chickens do. And the naturalist was just appalled by this travesty. So he picked the eagle up and he says to the eagle, you are an eagle, you're not a chicken. The heights of the heavens belong to you. Stretch your wings and soar. Claim your birthright. The eagle jumped back down in the chicken yard and started pecking the dirt and scratching. He took the eagle up and he set it up higher. He said, well, if I can get it away from the chickens, you know, and he took it where he couldn't see the chickens and said, you're an eagle, not a chicken. He da, 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 da. And the eagle did the same thing. And that's us. Eagles raised among chickens. The problem is we think we're lions and we imagine that as we are here in the chicken yard, pecking and scratching, that we are lions and eagles and mighty things, when actually we're not. We're an abomination. We're ghosts. We've been infected with negative emotions and states of identifying. They seem normal and right to us the same way that scratching in the dirt and pecking in the dirt and eating bugs seemed normal and right to the eagle who had been brought up with the chickens. When we begin to work against identifying through proper self-observation, become aware of the fact that we're identifying, we gradually come to dislike the emotional state of being identified. Gradually, slowly, we start to feel crawly, creepy, soggy, on edge when we're identifying. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens just slowly. You know the feeling. You know the taste. You know the smell of that. When you're identified and it just starts to feel icky and you want out of that, but you don't know how to get out of that, transformation begins there. If you can't see meaning for yourself in this work, you will not be able to connect with the esoteric ideas of this work. You will take them as just ideas. You won't connect with them. You know that this podcast will go out all over the world to thousands of people. Most of those people will not connect with the ideas. Not right away. It may take them years to connect, if they ever do. Some will connect immediately because they properly played with the second set of toys. They properly and seriously played with the second set of toys, and they got it. They got, there's nothing in this world for me. There's got to be something beyond this. They got it. They've given up on life, but they haven't given up life. Greater mind exists. If you don't get this, you can't work on transformation of your being. You'll pass your life continually identified with yourself. 
thinking there's nothing bigger than you. It's all up to you. That's what you'll think. We must begin to see we're not exactly what we imagine. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.